Well, praise the Lord. Uh, just a little note. Uh, well, a couple of things. Uh, if you notice, the signups have begun for life groups, and uh, they're out there on the table in the, our foyer. And um, check those out, and, um, and please sign up. We want to encourage everyone to get involved in a life group. Uh, there's only so much we can do uh, in a corporate setting here, and it's in our, it's in our smaller groups, whether it's you know, adult Bible study on uh, Sunday morning, the group that meets Thursday morning, the group that meets Sunday evenings, or the life groups that are going to meet throughout uh, the week. Um, I would just really encourage you to get involved somewhere where you can uh, really begin to go deeper, not only in relationship, and but also in growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And relationship uh, is a huge, huge huge part of what it means to be in the body of Christ. As a matter of fact, it's everything, because if you're not in relationship, you're not in the body. And I mean, if you're not in relationship to Jesus, you're not in the body. See, Christianity's not a religion. You can be religious and not be in relationship, but you can't be truly a follower of Christ and not be in relationship with Christ. That's what it means to be a follower of Christ. And if we're followers of Christ, then we're also in relationship with his body, which, which is the people of God. Amen? So I really want to encourage you to check that out. And uh, those will begin uh, February 15th. Uh, Greg Spears' group uh, will begin that uh, Monday on the 15th. And then the other groups uh, will be on Friday night is the way it's worked out. Amen? So check it out. And uh, one other quick thing. I have a lot of ground to cover today. So well, he left the building, didn't he? It was Richard's birthday Friday, and uh, I had a, yeah, I'll catch him at the end of the service. I have a story to tell on him, but uh, and he's got to be in here. Oh, Peggy, happy birthday. So uh, somebody remind me, and before we leave today, we'll just sing happy birthday. Well, can we do that? All right. Open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to begin here today, and, and we're talking about the church, and specifically, I'm going to do um, a crazy thing. I'm actually going to touch on three chapters of Scripture today. And you could, you could take any one of these chapters of Scripture and spend weeks on just one chapter. And like a crazy man, I'm going to actually touch on three of these chapters today. And, um, and I'm going to do it in 45 minutes, which is almost an impossibility. And I know you all don't believe me that I'm really going to be able to do that. But I'm going to give it my best shot. But my point in talking about what we're going to talk about today is, is to not necessarily go in depth about everything that these chapters cover, but, but I want you to catch the vision of what Paul is writing when he writes this letter to the Corinthians. You know, one thing in, uh, that's so important, and I've said this before, and I want to remind you of this again today, and boy, it came up today in our Bible study um, that Kathy leads on Sunday mornings. And I tell you what, if you guys want to get in a good Bible study, I would really encourage you to come uh, Sunday mornings. It's really, really good. And uh, I go to it because I, I want to receive. I don't teach it, but I, I don't miss it unless I absolutely have to because I love to, I love to be able to, to sit around and, and talk about the Word of God and, and, and discuss the Word of God and grow in the knowledge of the Word. So if People come to me sometimes and say, man, I wish you guys had more Bible studies. I'm like, well, 
you just need to take advantage of the ones that we have. We, we have some really good uh, Bible studies that are taking place. And so, you know, one thing that came up this morning as we were going through Galatians was the fact that oftentimes we compartmentalize these scriptures. And, and I always tell you, you know, the best interpreter of the Bible is the Bible. And you should always read the Bible in context. You should always study the scripture in context. And, and you know, we're, we're studying that. And if you, you read and you study that in context, you get a whole different perspective on what, what Paul is talking about in Galatians. The same thing here in Corinthians. You can take one scripture and isolate it and believe that it means something totally different than in reality what, what Paul is communicating because you haven't read the context of what preceded that scripture. And so what I want to do today as we discuss this and we're talking about the church or I could say we're talking about the body of Christ because there is no difference. The church is the body and the body is the church. The church isn't an institution as we would define it, as man defines it. The church is a living organism. It is the people of God. And Jesus described his church as a people, not just as a social club or an institution or a denomination. Those things did not exist when Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Man created those things, not God. And so, in Paul's writing to the Corinthians, he is writing about the body, the church. Interchangeable terms there. And, and it all speaks of people living in relationship with one another under the headship of Jesus Christ. And so, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, just very quickly in your message, God... We're going to talk about function, love, and desire. And I'm going to begin by speaking about desire. Desire. Why desire? Because desire drives everything for us. Well, if we want to just cut to the chase and we want to get down to where the rubber meets the road, what you desire is what you go after in life. What you desire is what you seek. What you desire is what you're going to see. What you desire is what you're going to come to know. So our desire, our desire determines what we seek, what we go after. God's desire for us is that we would desire Him above all things. And in desiring Him, we would also desire fellowship and relationship with one another because, after all, we are the people of God. We are the body of Christ. Desire determines what you see. Whatever I'm going after, that's what I'm looking at. Have you ever, have you ever chased anything? I mean, if, if, guys, have you ever been hunting? You've been, ever, ever been hunting and you're tracking an animal in the woods, you're going after what you are seeking, what you are seeing. If you've ever been on a... It doesn't matter. What you seek after is what you see, and that's what you're going to come to know. If I'm seeking the Lord, I will look for, and I will see the Lord, and I will come to know the Lord. How do I know that's true? Because that's what the Scripture says. Jeremiah 29, 13, And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all of your heart, heart speaks of desire. So my desire is going to determine what I see and ultimately what I come to know. So the more clearly I see Jesus, the more clearly I will see and know his body. And I will understand that this is the place, the body of Christ, in his body is where I have relation, function, and life. Because 
through faith in him, he has made me a member of that body. Amen? So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is, is a very well-known uh, passage of Scripture. It deals with spiritual gifts. But I'm not dealing specifically with spiritual gifts today. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a general theme of function. God gifts us. He gives us giftings. These are not the only spiritual gifts. There's nine gifts listed here in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11. But there's also, or 8 through 10, but there's also gifts listed in Romans. And there's gifts listed in Ephesians. And all those gifts, every gift and every function comes from God. So God determines function. Okay, We could say God determines gifting, but I like the word function because the only reason he gives gifts is so that we can function in the body with that gifting, with that calling, with whatever, whatever it is. And so God is the one that determines function. Now, let's just begin in verse 4. There are diversities. Look at this. There are, I want you to see the contrast. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. We have diversity and we have sameness. Diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministries, different services, different ministries, but there is the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God. So we have different gifts. We have different ministries, we have different activities, but the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. Amen? And then in verse 7 he says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. It's given to how many? Each one. For the profit of all. So we have different, same. Diverse, same. We have one and we have all. Do you see the contrast? He gives individually for the profit of the whole or for all. So why did God give spiritual gifts to the church? He gave them for the profit of all. Or we could say it like this, for the building up of the body. Now, not to get controversial today, but, but we are, uh, I, hate, I hate using terms, we are a church that believes in the fullness of, uh, of, of, of the Spirit of God. <laughs> what do I mean by that? I mean, when you get saved, you receive the fullness of God's Spirit. Period. There's not something you get later on that completes you. You got part of God at salvation, and then if you're a good boy and girl, you're going to get the rest of it a little bit later. Uh-uh. Why don't we believe that? Because that's not what the Scripture teaches. Do we believe gifts are real? Absolutely. Are they in operation today? Why wouldn't they be? Because the gifts are given for the building up for the profit of the body. Is Jesus still building his body? Absolutely. Is the body still coming to the full measure and stature of the fullness of Christ? Yes, it is. So how long will we have apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers until we come to a unity of the faith, the fullness, the full measure and stature of Christ? Well, when is that going to happen? When Jesus appears, I mean, when he, when he comes and he redeems creation and makes all things new, 
then, then we will come to that. But we haven't come to that yet. We are coming to the fullness. We have a full salvation. Hear me, church. But the body is coming to fullness, growing into the maturity of Christ. So as long as we're still growing into that maturity, not because we're not saved or not because we don't have all the Spirit. We have all the Spirit. We are saved, but yet the Scripture says we are also being saved. So what's happening? Your mind and my mind is being renewed day by day. My inner man, day by day. My outer man is perishing. My inner man is being renewed and growing in the knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so why did God give spiritual gifts to the church? So that the church could be built up. The same reason he gave fingers and thumbs and feet and hands and ears and eyes and nose and hair. Well, some of us have hair. The same reason he gave different parts of the body, so the body could function as one. This is why he gives spiritual gifts. And so, there is a reason. It's for the profit of all. And, and the point that I want you to get as we talk about your function in the body is to understand that the scripture clearly says that your gift and your function is not determined by you, it is determined by God. So what was going on in Corinth? Well, in Corinth, they were a very gifted church. You, you, here's the thing, you know, I, sometimes I think I put too, inform too much information on here. But here's the thing, you know, I really give this to you because I want you to, throughout the week to take this and I want you to really spend some time reading and studying and meditating. You're not going to get it all in 35 minutes. But if you take and you begin to, to really see what the Scripture says, if we see what's going on in this church, this very gifted church, man, they had the gifts flowing, they were operating. But they also had, along with much gifting, they had much pride. They were arrogant. They were competitive. They were divided. There were some who had some gifts and they looked down their nose at others because others didn't have the same gift they had. And they esteemed some of those gifts. And we're going to see that gift that they esteemed so highly was the gift of tongues. Do you think it's an accident that, that, that the gift of tongues is still dividing churches today? And we've got whole denominations who believe all these gifts died with the last apostle. We got whole denominations that would teach that we are of the devil today because we believe in the, the gifts of the Spirit. And you know what? There's, there's probably a good reason why there's a lot of people that look down and, and think that these things are, are not of God because the church has so mishandled and the church has so misrepresented and misunderstood what spiritual giftings are about and why God gave them. It, it just created a huge mess. So here's what happens. You get Christians, you got good people who are truly born again, walking around feeling like maybe they're second-class citizens of heaven because they didn't get a certain gift in a certain way, like somebody told them they should have got it, how they should have gotten it. I know this to be a fact because I, I know someone personally who this happened to, and they just feel like that God just... God didn't love me as much as he loved my husband because he gave this gift to my husband and he didn't give it to me. 
And someone taught them, well, honey, if you have enough faith, you'll, you'll get that. And this is how you're going to get it. And if you'll just do this, then you'll get it, really. Show me that in the Scripture. That's not what the Scripture says. The Scripture says God gives as He wills. The Scripture doesn't say mimic and imitate and do this and do that and it'll happen to you. It says God gives as He wills. I digress. But here's the point. We've got to come to a place where we understand what God's doing in his body and why he's doing what he's doing in his body. And, and, and it's for the profit of the whole. It's to build up his body. So let's, let's just go through verses 8, 9, and 10 just very quickly. There's nine gifts listed here. And my point is this. God wants you we're going to see this. The scripture says, desire spiritual gifts. Now, why would God tell you to desire something that doesn't exist anymore? God wouldn't do that. But also, God would also tell you, don't be competitive and don't think less of yourself or more of someone else because they have a certain gift and you don't. Because you don't determine what gift you get. God determines that. So we trust God. But he says, desire spiritual gifts. So what are these gifts? Well, let's just cover the nine that are in this chapter of Scripture because this is the one that we're in. This is the chapter we're in. Word of wisdom. And, you know, let's not make these more than, than they really are. A word of wisdom simply is a gift in which you're able to provide specific wisdom for a situation. Who gives you that wisdom? God does. Okay? Word of knowledge. Well, what's that? Well, that's, that's God gifting you to provide specific knowledge in a specific situation. Who gives you that gift? God does. Who, where does that knowledge come from? It comes from God. It can be a really miraculous thing or it can be a really simple thing, I believe. I think we make too much out of this. You know, we confuse what really is prophecy and we call what really is the gift of prophecy and we call it a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. You know, you might have wisdom in a certain area well, where did that wisdom come from? If you got wisdom in a certain area, maybe because you read and studied and maybe because you just have experience. Well, where did that wisdom come from? Did you woo, get it from God? You know, did you put your little cap on and it supernaturally, you know, God by osmosis gave? No. It could just be that God through your life led you through paths and ways and you've gained wisdom. And, and, and it may be as simple as, hey, you know, I've got some wisdom here. Let me, let me give you a word of wisdom concerning this. Or, I've got some knowledge in this area. Let me give you a word of knowledge here. Or, you know what? It could be a very supernatural thing. It could be out of the blue. God just moves on you and does something. But here's the point. It's God who does it, not you or not me. This isn't something you can work up or I can work up. This is something God does. God doesn't take control of your mind. He doesn't take control of your body and, and, and you become a... No, it's just... It's part, of, it's part of life. It's part of, it should be part of living and functioning in the body of Christ under the headship of Christ. How about faith? Well, the gift of faith is a miraculous thing. To every man is given a measure of faith. But the gift of faith is your ability to trust and obey God beyond your own, beyond your own faith, beyond your own measure of faith. There are people that just have they have a supernatural faith. They don't always walk in that. But God knows when you need that, how you need that, 
for whatever reason you need that. And God can, by his spirit, give you the gift of faith to trust and obey beyond what seems reasonable. It's kind of like the peace that passes understanding. This is faith that passes understanding. It's a gift that God will give as he wills. How about the gift of healing? Well, it's the miraculous ability to effect healing. I don't have the ability to heal. You know, we pray for people every service. The the call for prayer goes at every service. And we pray for people to be healed. We have no ability to heal. Only God can heal. And God is a healer. And I know many people who have been divinely, supernaturally healed by God. I know people who believed God and trusted God and they died. Does, does the fact that they die mean God's not a healer? Absolutely not. Any more than people are going to go to hell. Do we, you believe people are going to go to hell one day? People are. How do we know? Because the Bible says. Does that mean Jesus is not a savior? No. Healing is not determined by us. It's determined by God. But sometimes God will give you a gift where you can affect healing in a supernatural, miraculous way. All healing is, is supernatural. But I'm talking about a, 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 an ability to affect healing that is beyond the measure of faith or normal faith. It's a miraculous thing. The working of miracles, same thing. It's the God-given ability to work miracles. I, I can't just decide I'm going to work a miracle right now. I don't have that power. But if God, by his spirit, decides that he will work miracles through you or through somebody else, he can give you the, working, the gift of the working of miracles. Where does it come from? It comes from his spirit. Remember, different gifts same spirit, different ministries, same Lord, different activities, same God. So it's not yours, it's not mine, it's his. Can I get proud and puffed up about it? I can, but that's wrong. Because there's nothing I should be proud of. Because I didn't do it, I'm just a vessel. Should your water glass be glad that it, be proud that it, it can hold water? No, it's just, it's created to hold water. It's just what it does. We are vessels containing the Spirit of God. It's what we do. It's what we're created to do. And and we were created to do that, not by us, but by His grace. How about prophecy? Prophecy is nothing more than special revelation from God reported to man. The greatest revelation that you're going to get from God is right here in this Word. And, And we've got too many people going around seeking special revelation, and they're too lazy to pick up their Bible and get the real revelation that they need to get, which is right here. And there's no special revelation that's going to come from heaven that will do anything but confirm this word right here. And I believe, I believe that, that when people have the ability to get revelation from the word of God and they're just too lazy, this is why they're continuously running and chasing after special revelation. You know what? I don't believe they're going to get it. You know why? Because God says, why should I give you special revelation? I've given you my scripture, and you won't even get the revelation out of the scripture. So why should, that's like, that's like, that's kind of like rewarding bad behavior, isn't it? I mean, parents, you don't reward the bad behavior of your children. Not because you want to punish them, but because you want them to understand some fundamental things. And God wants us to understand this word is the greatest revelation of him we've ever received. 
and his spirit in us will cause our eyes and our ears and our hearts and our minds, spiritually speaking, to be open to be able to see and know and comprehend that revelation. But there are times, as the spirit wills, that God gives special revelation to men to be delivered to other men. And that, I believe, is, will always be a word that will bring confirmation, that will bring a building up, an edification, or a correction, not in a bad way. We hate the word correction, but it's not a bad word. I might be going down the wrong road. If you know I'm going down the wrong road and I'm trying to get to Houston, but I'm on the road to San Antonio, somebody loved me enough to say, hey, you're on I-10 heading the wrong direction. You need to correct your course. Turn around and go the other direction. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. So God loves us. He corrects us. And sometimes he uses the gift of prophecy to do that. Discerning of spirits is nothing more than God giving you the ability to identify a spiritual influence. Sometimes it's a no-brainer. We can look and we know exactly the spiritual influence working in a person's life. But sometimes there are occasions where God will give us a special gift to be able to know specifically what spiritual influence is working in or around the life of a person or a situation. Here, here comes the one everybody loves to hate, tongues. What, what is the gift of tongues? That word tongues, by the way, in the Greek is the word language. But, but what is it? And we see in Scripture, and we could spend weeks on just this gift right here. But in Scripture, it is prayer or praise by the Spirit of man, not the Spirit of God. When Paul, read it very carefully in these three chapters. When Paul talks about tongues, he talks about the Spirit, little s, praying to God. Mysteries. Well, if it's the Spirit of God praying to the Spirit of God, it's not a mystery to the Spirit of God, is it? But it's a mystery to my spirit, and it's a mystery to my mind. That's why in, in, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him, however, in the spirit, the spirit of a man, he speaks mysteries. And so tongues is simply prayer or praise by the spirit of man spoken to God in syllables in a language not understood by the speaker. And the very next gift is the interpretation of tongues. Well, what in the heck does that mean? Exactly what it says. If tongues is prayer or praise spoken to God by the Spirit of man in a language or syllables not understood by the speaker, then we need somebody to tell us what was just said. And that is the gift of interpretation of tongues. It's interpreting a language not understood by the speakers so the body can be edified. Now these are the nine gifts. And these nine gifts, I believe, are very much in operation today in the church but they're in operation as God wills. So he distributes to each as, verse 11, he wills. That's what the scripture says. So let's believe the scripture, okay? If you ever wonder what I believe, I'm going to tell you, I believe the scripture. And I will believe the scripture over any and everything, always, always, always. The same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills. So our function is determined by God. Verse 18 says this. Then Paul goes on from spiritual gifts and he talks about a body. 
And he uses a very simple analogy, yet a very powerful analogy of the human body as an example of how spiritual giftings operate, just like different members have different functions, different gifts, to bring about the complete functioning of the whole body. And so he says we can't all be ears, we can't all be eyes, we can't all be mouths. There are different parts of the body placed in different places with different gifts, with different functions, so the entire body can function. And then in verse 18, he says, but now God, say God, now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So God sets each in, how? Just as he pleases. I'm not a pastor because I chose to be a pastor. I love being a pastor. It is my desire, and I get great joy from it. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not a pastor because I chose to be a pastor. God chose me to function in this capacity in the body. Do I find joy and do I find my desire in it? Yes, I do. But there was a time when I would have said, you are crazy. I will never be a pastor. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't. I would have argued tooth and nail with you. But see, God, by his spirit, did a work and brought me to a place so that now my desire is his desire. And I function in my place in the body because this is where God set me. And you function wherever your place is because that's where God set you. And so we need to understand that fundamentally. God determines function. Then Paul goes from chapter 12 into chapter 13. Don't pay attention to the chapter break in your Bible. Look at the last verse of chapter 12, verse 31. <clears throat> well, let's, let's start in verse 27. Let's read 27 to the end. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, or in the body. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administration, varieties of tongues. Then he asked these rhetorical questions. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? What is the implied answer there? No. Does that mean no one prophesies? Does it mean no one speaks in tongues? Does it mean there are not apostles? There are not prophets? No, that's not. There are some who are apostles, some who are prophets, some who work miracles, some who work the gift of healing, some who speak in tongues, but not all do that. Why? Because God has put in the body people in different places for the function of the body. But look at verse 31. But earnestly desire the best gifts. Now what does that tell us right there? That there are some gifts that are better than others. Does that mean we should be disappointed if we operate in one gift and not another? That's not his point. The ear cannot be disappointed because it's an ear. Because that's what God made it to be. But what he is saying here is some gifts are better than others, and he's speaking specifically to these Corinthians because they were misusing their gifts. 
They were misusing them because they were using them selfishly. And they were using their gifts to promote themselves, to puff up themselves, to hold themselves higher. Remember, remember last week or a, week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we read the scripture that says that you should not think of yourself more highly than you should, but think soberly. I shouldn't hold, the only, the only person I should hold in, in high esteem, the only person I should have a high view of is God. That's it. That doesn't mean I degrade myself. Don't do that. You're a child of God. You shouldn't degrade yourself. You shouldn't think less of yourself. But I should think of myself in the proper frame of mind. That's what that word soberly means there. I am a child of God. But the person I should have the highest view of is God, not me. And so Paul says, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And that excellent way is love. So what's he say? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love. I am a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. In other words, my sound means nothing. It's just a bunch of noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. And then he goes and he gives us a beautiful picture of what love looks like manifest through the life. Now, now you can't go and try to make these things happen because that's just a work of your flesh. Love is the first work of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5.22. Love is a fruit. But, but that's like saying, well, that's an apple tree and the apples are inside. Well, that's fine, but I want to see some apples. Because I want to partake of the apple. That's not a bad thing. God says, love is in you by the Spirit of God. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But God says, we need to let love come out so that the body can partake of the fruit. And he says, this is what it looks like. It, it's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy. It, it doesn't parade itself. It doesn't promote itself. It's not puffed up. It's not arrogant. It doesn't behave rudely. It doesn't behave selfishly, seeking its own. It's not provoked. It doesn't think about evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity or sin, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears. It carries the burden of all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. He says, this is the more excellent way, guys. You have gifts, and it's good. You should desire those gifts. But, but there is a way that you should operate and function in the body, and you should function in love. Love should be the thing that governs our functioning. Love should be the thing that governs our gifting. Love. He says, prophecies will fail. Tongues will fail, knowledge will cease, it will vanish away, but love never fails. Verse 9, 10, and 11 speaks of something when that which is perfect we see in part. Why do we see in part? When we look in the mirror, we see in part. Why? Who do we see when we look in the mirror? This is the mystery, Colossians 1:27. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says, As beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So he says, as you behold in a mirror, 
you are beholding the glory of the Lord. And he says, as you stare into that image, you are being transformed into the very same image. So Christ in me, when I look in the mirror, who should I see? It's Christ. Now, we can go look in a mirror. This is why we gave mirrors to all the kids last week. And we put on the top of that mirror, Christ in me. Because Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 13, he says it in 2 Corinthians 3. He uses the mirror as an analogy. If Christ is in you, believer, when you look in the mirror, you should see Christ. And if you see dimly in that mirror, if you cannot see Christ clearly, then you have not been perfected in love. In other words, you have an incomplete, that's what that word perfect means, it means complete. You have an incomplete comprehension of God's love. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It means you don't comprehend just how much he loves you. First John, I love to quote this, 1 John 4, 17, and this love has been perfected that in the day of judgment we have boldness and confidence. Why? Because as he is, as Christ is right now, so are we in this world. Do you see yourself the way Christ is right now? If you were honest with yourself, you would say no, because I don't see myself that way. And most believers don't. But yet, with the mind of Christ that I have, I know that's true. So I have to remind myself constantly, God doesn't see me the way I see myself. God sees me through his son. And so he's telling these Corinthians, the problem you guys have is, you are so, the reason you're insecure and feel like you've got to use your gift to puff yourself up and promote yourself, to make yourself look more important and more valuable than, than whatever you think. The reason you're so insecure is because you don't see Christ. You don't understand the love of Christ. You are seeing an incomplete picture when you look in the mirror. He said, but when that which is perfect, when you get the complete picture, then you will know just as you are known. Do you see what Paul is saying? When you get the complete picture of the love of God that is operating in your life and on your behalf, you will know who you are just as God knows who you are in his son. And he said, then you're going to stop competing with one another. Then you're going to stop fussing and fighting with one another. Then you're going to prefer one another. You're going to value one another. You're going to be able to go back to... Chapter 11, you're going to be able to correctly discern the body of Christ. You're not going to look at that poor homeless guy there any different than you look at that rich, wealthy guy over there who's got all the nice clothes and the big house and this guy doesn't have anything. You're not going to value him any more than you value him because you will, at that point, understand the love of God and you will discern the body of Christ. And he says, here's the problem, guys. You're seeing dimly. You only know in part right now. But you need to see, you need to get the complete picture, which is Christ in you, so that you will know just as you are known. And then he says, he's still talking about love. Now abide, faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Pursue love. Why? Because it's the greatest. Pursue love and, here it is, desire spiritual gifts. He's not telling them not to desire spiritual gifts. He's saying you should desire spiritual gifts, but you should desire them out of a proper context and a proper comprehension of God's love. God will determine your function, but let love govern that function in the body. And if you'll allow love to govern your function, 
then you go ahead and desire, you will desire the best gifts. What are the best gifts? Look at this, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Why? He tells you why right here. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. No one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So the scripture says, when I speak in tongues, pray in tongues, praise in tongues, what's happening? He says, you are being built up yourself. Your your spirit man is being built up. But nobody else is. Why? Because no one else can understand you. So he says, desire that you prophesy. Why? Because when you prophesy, you speak edification, exhortation, and your words bring comfort to men. He says, if you are going to speak in a tongue, make sure that you have an interpreter. Why? So that the body then can be built up by what is being said that no one can understand. No man can understand it. So we're going to have to have God give us a special gift to interpret what your spirit is communicating directly to the Spirit of God. Paul cuts to the chase and he says, Look guys, instead of trying to desire two different gifts, just go for the one. Just desire that you prophesy. So that the words coming out of your mouth can be understood by all and you can bring edification to all. So what are the best gifts? The best gifts are the ones that edify the body. Those are the best gifts. Does that mean there's not a place for me to be edified? Absolutely, there is. As long as I understand that God is edifying me so that I can, in turn, do what? Edify the body. Or he is building me up so that I can, in turn, be strengthened to go out and then build up the body. Amen? So desire, what what should our desire be? Our desire should be for the profit of the whole. One little thing about love there. Remember we said love. I just want to bring this to your attention. I didn't cover it. In the, it's in your message guide. But remember Paul says if we don't have love, we're nothing. So anything I do that is not, that is without love, what is it? It's nothing or it's, it has zero value. You math wizards, take the biggest number you can think of and multiply it times zero and what do you have? This is what Paul was saying. It doesn't matter how much gift I have, how much knowledge I have, how much faith I have. If, it don't, if you don't have love with it, when you, when you take that faith and multiply it times love, or it, you're going to come up with nothing. We have, there, is, there is nothing of value if it does not have love. Amen? Love never subtracts. Love never divides. It always adds. It always multiplies. Love is a positive. It always adds to. It always brings increase. And so our desire should be for the profit of the whole. God orders his body. He orders his church always, always, always with the whole in mind. You've been gifted. You've been called. You've been given certain things. You have things you don't even know what they are right now. You've got gifts and callings in your life. You don't even know, but God's placed them there. And he's placed in there because you have a part to play to edify, to build up the whole body. This is why we should never think that because 
You know, people say, well, you're the pastor, you know, uh, you got a special connection with God. No, I don't. I don't have any more connection with God than you do, really and truly. Just like my little finger's no more connected to my body than my, my ear or my eye is. They're both connected to life in the body. They just have a different function. That's it. That's all. So we should desire spiritual gifts. Why? Because the Bible says we should. And we should desire them as members of his body. We should desire spiritual gifts for what reason? For the profit of all. We should desire them to do what? To build up the whole body. Our desire for spiritual gifts should never be selfish. They should never be used in a selfish way. They should never be used to promote ourselves. They should always be used to build up the body, to promote and to glorify God. Spiritual gifts are always for God's glory, never for ours. Amen? Ephesians 4, 15 and 16. To paraphrase, we function in the body to share his life, always, always, always building up his body in love. That's what Paul said in Ephesians. This is why the writer of Hebrews says, let us consider one another in order to provoke each other to love and good works, not forsaking the assemblings of yourselves together. Don't come to church because you're afraid if you don't, God's going to be mad at you because he's not going to be. He's not going to be mad at you. He's not going to love you any less. But if you understand who you are in the body, if you understand you're connected to life by being a part of the body of Christ, let us consider one another in coming together. Don't come here either to, to find out what you're going to get. Come ready to share life, to impart to those around you. This is why we do donuts and coffee and everything early. This is, you know, we want to give you as much time as possible to come together and to connect together. God might give you a word for somebody the night before and you come and, and you, you're able to give them that word. It might not be a big thing. It may just be a little thing to you, but it may be a big thing to them. But when we get ready to come together, do we come together considering one another? Or do we come together trying to figure out what it's going to do for me? See, if that's our attitude, we're not functioning in love. And it also doesn't mean, church, that you've got to know exactly what's your place. And you, it's not like you've got some job description written in heaven. And you've got to figure out what that job description is. I'm telling you what, God is in control of your life. Do you believe that? So you need to believe that. You need to trust that God is in control of your life. Even if your life doesn't make sense to you right now, it makes perfect sense to God. And even if you think, man, I've done some things and, I've, I've, man, I've just really, you know, I've gotten detoured along the way. Listen, God is well aware of your detours. And God knows exactly how to bring you to the place that he has ordained for you to be. He knows how to bring you into your function. I, I would venture to bet that people are, I, people come to me all the time. It's like, I want to know what my function is. You know, I want to know what my place is. I'm telling you what, you're, you're operating in that and you probably don't even realize it. Because it's not just about what happens here. It's about more than what happens here. It's about what happens everywhere you go. Because you never stop being the body. You never stop being a part of the life of the body. 
You never stop imparting life. You never stop receiving life. You don't. And so what's our desire? Is our desire to come together, to provoke one another, to encourage one another, to exhort one another. That's what the Scripture says our assembling, our gathering is for. And there are no big I's and little U's in the kingdom. Whatever gift you have or whatever gift I have, it comes from God. So I cannot boast in the gift that I have. You cannot boast in the gift that you have. You can't be sad because of the gift you don't have, just like I can't be sad because of the gift I don't have, because God knows and God made us who we are, and God made us just the way we are. And we should be thankful for that, and we should rejoice in that, and we should understand that God made me unique so that I could function uniquely in the body. Just like every part, there's a reason why. No fingerprint. No two fingerprints are the same. You think that's an accident? God did that on purpose. Again, he's trying to teach us something. Every person is unique. And though there are many ears, and ears all have the same function, there are no two ears that are exactly alike. There are no two ears that function exactly alike, though they achieve the same end. You are unique. Uniquely loved by God. Uniquely created by God. But God wants you to understand you're uniquely loved and created so that you can bring about profit to the whole body that he has made you a part of. So how are we going to do that? And I go back to the three questions I began with last week. Do you make time? Don't take this legalistically. This is not another chore for you to go do and feel the burden of. I'm just asking a question. Make time daily to listen to God. God knows what my requests are. I've tried to develop this habit as of the last several months of, of not coming to God and telling Him everything that I need. Because I finally, took me a long time, but I finally figured out He knows what I need. I've been trying to spend more time just listening to God. And I'm going to tell you, it's very hard. It's very hard for me to quiet my mind down. I don't know if I'm ADD or what, but I'm telling you what, it's almost impossible for me to quiet my mind down. And so I'm, I'm trying to practice just listening. Listening. With no agenda. With, with nothing. This is what I mean by listen without condition for what, for what God desires to reveal to you. Don't listen because you got a need. I'm saying you come to God without condition, without an agenda, and just listen to what He might want to reveal to you. You know why we need to listen to God? Because I'm going to tell you what, what God can speak to you in five seconds is more valuable than you will ever be able to say to Him in five years. What one word from God can change your life. But if we spend our time talking to God but never listening to Him, we may miss that word. Or God might say, you know, I've been waiting for you to shut up. And finally you did, so now I can tell you what I want. <laughs> you know, that might sound funny to you. But someone told me this the, the night I gave my life to Christ. They said, the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. And I believe that. 
I believe that. So listen without condition. Come to God without conditions. And the third is this, consider your ways. Remember Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, he said, examine, examine yourself. Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Now I'm not saying consider your ways and question your salvation. But I think we should consider our ways and ask ourselves this question. Is my chief motivation about my desires or is my chief motivation about his desire? And what God wants to do, he wants to conform not just our mind and our thinking, but he wants to conform our desires to become his desires. He wants to give us the desire of our heart, but he wants the desire of our heart to be his. And when it becomes his, I am 110% sure that's when he'll give you the desire of your heart, when it becomes his desire. Consider your ways and ask yourself, are you seeking your desire or God's desire? You are created for God's desire. Therefore, live to satisfy and to glorify God. Let his desire become your desire. Amen, church? God calls us to function, to love, to desire in his will, in his body, for his body, and all, all for his glory. Amen? Let's all stand. If anyone is here today, I know I said this earlier, if anyone's here and, and you have questions about your salvation, you say, you know, I want to make sure that I'm saved, Pastor Jeff, I really would encourage you to come and, and talk with me. I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal, and if you're here and you want prayer for any reason, whether it's healing in your body, you got some things going on in your life, you just need some peace, maybe, or you just want someone to agree with you. There's power in prayer. There's power in agreement. So don't minimize that, okay? Don't think your problem's too small for God. We, we never think our problem's too big for God, but we oftentimes think our problem is too small for God. So whatever, Jesus said... Actually, Peter wrote this. He said, cast your cares on him, for he cares for you. He didn't, he didn't qualify that, cast your big cares. He just said, cast your cares. Big or small, it doesn't matter. Cast them on him because he cares for you. Father, we just thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you that by your grace, you have allowed us to become a part of the body of Christ. And Lord, the body of Christ is not just about a Lord, a, a denomination or a religion or, Lord, it's so much more than that. It's something beyond our natural ability to understand. Lord, we are a part of something that exists all over this world. But nonetheless, we are a part of it. And that body is one in Christ. This body called Christ Fellowship right here that is just a part of your whole body, your universal body. Lord, we are a body, knit together, joined together by the life that is Christ. And Lord, I pray today that you would open the eyes of our hearts, 
Lord, enable us to see from our blindness and hear from our deafness, God, what your desire is for your body, what you have done for us in Jesus Christ, what you have brought us into, Lord, when you saved us from sin and death and brought us into life everlasting in your Son, Jesus Christ. God, open our eyes and our understanding that we would begin to understand and comprehend, as Paul said, the width and the length and the depth of that love that passes knowledge. And Lord, I pray that we would begin to see and discern the body around us. That Lord, you don't see us the way we see ourselves. And you don't see us the way we see other people or the way we think other people see us. Lord, you see us in truth and in reality, in the light of your Son, in the life of your Son. And I pray, Father God, that you would deliver us from those judgments and those things that are just so carnal and so fleshly. And and Lord, help us to begin to look around and appreciate and discern the beauty and the diversity of the body of Christ that you've made us a part of. That we are all parts of the body. There is None greater, there is none of more value, none have more life than the other. Lord, we are all great because we are part of Jesus Christ, the author of so great a salvation. We are so thankful for that, Father God. We bless you today, God, and we glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a good hand. If you're here and you want prayer, come on and we'll pray. If not, not I, but Christ uh, Bible study today will be at 4 o'clock. We're moving it up a couple of hours because uh, someone will be able to watch the Super Bowl. So we'll meet at 4 o'clock next door. Happy birthday. Where's Richard? Uh, let's sing happy birthday. We'll sing happy birthday to Richard and Peggy. And, and who else had a birthday? Somebody else had a birthday. Desiree and, and Isaac. Who? Trish, she's not here, but we'll sing happy birthday. Where is Richard? Y'all know what Richard did on his birthday? I'm going to tell you what. I was innocently in my house on Friday night. And I tell you what, this dude, you talk about a wild man. Now, he's an elder of the church. He went out and did donuts in my yard. And if you don't believe it, I got the ruts to prove it. He went mudding in the pastor's front yard. Y'all pray for him. Well, let's sing happy birthday first. Everybody has a birthday. We just love you and bless you in the name of Jesus. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. Praise God. God bless each and every one of you. If you'd like prayer, we'd love to pray with you.